Welcome to Beyond the Sermons. I am one of Behind the Sermon. I am one of your hosts, Pastor Dave Rudat. I am playing the role of the flashy buttons guy today. Uh, these two lovely gentlemen that are here on this podcast have preached on Christ the King Sunday, and I went ahead and did Advent one. So I am in, in the future, and so I, for me, this is like going in the past, and that's okay because this is all about God's word and. Uh, The Sunday that we're talking about is Christ the King Sunday, and here we're going to hear about Jesus being our king in two different texts. Uh, We're looking at 1 Corinthians 15 and Matthew 27. Pastor Endorf is here. Uh, Pastor Endorf is pastor at Brooklyn Lutheran Church in Brooklyn Park, Minnesota. Welcome. And he is, with his coffee mug, he is letting us know how he feels about this morning. It's a good morning. I don't have a coffee mug. I just have water. And so. we are also joined by Pastor Will Harley from the Maribel Caves. Not the Maribel Caves, but the better ones. The one underneath St. John Maribel in his office. A slightly with, warmer. Slightly warmer. Uh, he's got his uh, uh, water, Lake Michigan Strait, one of our... Um, one of the brands that carries us here at Casting Nets, um, Water is is the the uh, is that right? Water is our sponsor. Yes, Water is our new sponsor, and um, and and so and they have they have done very well supporting supporting our our channel. So, yep. I give them a lot of credit. We should we should really push more water. <laughs> I don't know. My personal favorite is still Good Morning Coffee. <laughs> Which you can't make without water. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things you can't make without water. <laughs> in this one. <laughs> All right. So what do you well, think, gentlemen? Do you want to do the gospel lesson first, or do you want to do the second reading first today? You know what? Um, I am up for either, so that would that would be all right. I mean, it all depends on on Dave. Do you want to talk? First, or do you want to take it home and solidify the points? Well, I, I think Dave's got the second lesson already up and ready to go. So if she wants to start with that, then I'm versatile. Well. I am Mr. Flashy Buttons guy today. So whatever <laughs> button you want me to push, I will push buttons today. So let's kick off with the second lesson then. All right. Our second lesson from 1 Corinthians 15, 20 to 28. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came by a man, the resurrection of the dead also is going to come by a man. For as in Adam they all die, so also in Christ they also they all will be made alive. But each in his own order, Christ as the first fruits, and then Christ's people at his coming. Then Christ as the first fruits, and then Christ's people at his oh, I just read that. Then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father after he has done away with every other ruler and every other authority and power. For he must reign until he has put all things under his feet. Death is the last enemy to be dealt, done away with. Certainly he has put all things in subjection under his feet. Now when it says that all things have been put in subjection, obviously that does not include the one who subjected all things to him. But when all things have been subjected to him, then the Son himself will also be subjected to the one who subjected all things to him, in order that God may be all in all. So I, I started out by talking about the, the plague in Israel, 
that King David had brought upon his people and how how God ended it at the, the threshing floor of Aruna. And, and that's where King David decided to build the temple. And that Aruna said, I'm going to give you this land for free. And King David's response was, I'm going to pay for it because I'm, I'm not going to give to God something that cost me nothing. And that that's kind of the, the idea behind first fruits is that, you know, we, they brought to the temple something that, that meant something that had a significance, you know, and it had this dual significance of it was the best part of their crops, but it was also, you know, because God was important to them and it, he was valuable to them, but it was also the, the first part because they trusted in God to bring the bring in the rest of the harvest to provide for them. And so I, I compared that then to how we, we worship and serve God. And, and do we give like the widow's might that we trust in God to provide the last, or do we kind of, you know, show up on Sunday morning and, you know, well, I got five bucks in my wallet. I guess I'm going to throw that into the plate. And and I've paid all of my bills, and I think I can afford this. And 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 that kind of giving, or uh, do we give God our best? And and or do we get home on Sunday afternoon and think, well, I've checked church off of the list. Now I can do whatever I want to do. Or do we think, what is the, the best, most God-pleasing thing I can do with my, my Sunday afternoon? You know, or, or do we get to work and think, you know, I'm going to work the hardest I can because that pleases God. You know, and, and then that's why Christ is the first fruits, because he is the best of us. And that's the point the Gospels drive home again and again, you know, from the the boy Jesus in the temple who was about his father's business, to the temptation in the wilderness, to the the fearless preaching of the gospel, you know, as he's training his disciples, as he's confronting the the leaders of the Jews, to his, you know, humble prayer in Gethsemane not my will, but yours be done, to his obedient death on the cross. You know, he's perfect. He is the best of us. And, and so he is the first fruits in that way. Um, and, and so his death on the cross was not for his own sins, but for yours and mine. And, and that's why he is also the, the firstborn from among the dead, that, that when he rose again on the third day, he, he showed that our sins have been taken away because the wages of sin is death. And, and where there is no more death, there is no more sin. And so, so he is the first among many because Christ lives, you too shall live uh and then and think about what it means to be a part of that harvest you know not just you know among people who are perfect holy and righteous um 
so that uh, so you'll never again be misunderstood. You'll never have to worry about people understanding you. You'll never have to worry about being judged. You'll never have to be lonely or forgotten. You'll always have the help that you need. You'll always have... Um, <laughs> people will never frustrate you or make you angry or or any of those things. You'll have the relationships that you want. And, and that's what it means to be a part of that harvest. But then also, and most importantly that we will be with God. Um, and then I, I talked about how hard it is to come up with a sermon illustration about, you know, being with God forever. And I gave a, a couple of failed sermon illustrations, you know, like imagine it being like, a, you know, being with the president or, you know, and everybody could kind of see how, yeah, that, that felt falls short. And so it's just, we'll be with God and with Christ forever. And, and that's why he is, because he loves us and he wants to be with us. And that's why he is the, the first fruits from among the dead. So. Very good. So I, I'm assuming you preached on Christ the King. And so you focused on, on um, his second coming or more so, more so like the focus of, of the resurrection and then what we receive because of that. Yeah, and living under him in his kingdom of righteousness now and forever in heaven. Sure. Yeah. Sure. So did you, um, um, did you decide to tackle anywhere in there? And then, and if you didn't, I would understand because I think it takes some building up to, did you decide to tackle the, um, and finally when he's done submitting all things to God, including himself? Yeah. Oh, I left a whole lot out. That was one of them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and, and that's one that, you know, Paul spends a lot of time here on that, but in, in this selection and, you know, and so what is the point that he is, is making there in this whole section when it comes to the resurrection of the dead in first Corinthians fifteen fifty. Um, you know, and, and part of that is just the transition from, you know, ruling the world for the, 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 the good of the church at the right hand of the father to the completion of that task and, and the, the fulfillment of that in the new heavens and the new earth with God and the, the completion of that, um, and then the and, and so with that task being done, you know the the difference in the the work of the Godhead because of the plan of salvation is completed um, in that way, and so it. it it ceases, but I don't have much more to say about it than that. I'm wondering what you guys would say. About the, the subjection that he has at the end. Um, yeah, that is a, it, a, it is a beautiful section that refers at least the way that I have always understood it, it is a beautiful section that refers back to the, um, 
the interplaying relationship that that uh, Christ has to his father, that he is um, uh, begotten of the father, that there is a relationship between the father and the son, and that in that relationship, um, even though Christ is God in his relationship as the son, he, he gives back to his father, um, and, and that his, it was his father's plan and so he gives back to his father. Uh, and so that subjection that the, the father says, you are, I give you control over all of this. And, and, and Jesus is like, but I'm doing all of this for you because this is our relationship. Um, I am God. It is for me. And you are God. It is for you. But, but in our relationship as, as I am the son, you are the father. It is for you. So that, that's why I said it takes some build up, and you kind of got to run at it. <laughs> You got to take a run at it, but it is a beautiful, I think it is, it is, um, you know, it's, 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 it's kind of a, a neat and beautiful concept to say, and to step, take a step back and say that in, in the world now, Christ is the King of Kings in the world to come, there is God, the triune, right? Um, and, and that you're, you're a then or a now and then a then. And, and what does that look like? And I think one of the things we also have to point out that gets missed is God does not see submission and and service in the humiliating way that we see it. Right. You know, right. You're going back to the military idea of capable, but yet not, not called for this purpose. Almost in some ways. Sure. Yeah. You know, and and, and especially among the the three persons of the Trinity, that you know, as they as the Son submits to the Father, it, it's not a lesser position, but complementary. Is that well? You know, I, I, I think, like I'm going to get myself into a Trinitarian hole or something. I, I think when you Somebody's come back, call down me to Patrick. It. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hey there, Patrick. No. Um, <laughs> But I think I think we come back down to you know the word that was used you know you go back to Ephesians five and the word that is used that the idea of submission and again used here um, is not the idea of of necessarily even complementary we like to use that complementary term but that really comes from Genesis um, that idea of complementary and here the idea of submitting has nothing to do with abilities has nothing to do with power has nothing to do with um, anything other than responsibility. What is your responsibility and your call? And, and that's that idea of submitting is, is, is that military idea of you may have the ability, but it is not your responsibility. And so Christ has been given a responsibility in the plan of salvation, and he has done it and does it. And when it comes to its completion, the plan is at its fulfillment, and therefore his responsibility in the plan is now done. And he is, he's completed the work and he gives it back to the father who has other plans for all eternity. And, and, and that's okay. And I think that's where, where I think we, we reduce that term too far in our, in our own language. And we say this idea of submitting and we say, well, it's, it's submitting power, right? And instead of, no, it's submitting of, of responsibility. Um, you may be capable, you may be able, but it's not your responsibility to do certain things. And in this case, it is Christ's responsibility. God the Father didn't die for us. Christ did. Um, but yet, is he God? Yes, <laughs> absolutely. But Christ died. 
Um, and and the Holy Spirit works faith in the heart through the word. Um, does God the Father work faith in the heart through the word? No, the Holy Spirit does. That is that is his job, his responsibility. Um, and I and I think it's okay to talk in terms of that. And 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 I see where you were going because you want to talk in terms because that 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 concept of submission and and that concept of of complementary partner comes up when we discuss about the marriage arrangement. I'd say you explained it way better than I did. I'm going with what you said. So, but I, I would also say yes. that it's, it's, it's important to go with, to remember, you know, the end of verse 28 so that in order that God may be all in all, Absolutely. That it, it's that fundamentally that that's the, the purpose of, of that handover is for that fulfillment of God's purpose of the new heavens and the new earth, that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, as the united Trinity post-completion of... God is all in all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. that full relationship with their yeah. saved creatures, yeah. that that's what God wants. And you drove and that home beautifully. Look ahead to. And you, you drove that home yeah. beautifully, which I think is, and, and I just brought up the idea of and how you tackled the submission aspect, or if you did, because I think a lot of people would read that and get lost. And, and it, it takes some understanding drawing from the scriptures to say what is being said here and, and how do we approach that um, in a good and God pleasing way. But I, I, I really appreciate your sermon in the sense of looking at it from, from that idea of what is the first fruits? Cause I, I think we get confused on that. And so I thought that was really an awesome take looking back to, to Gen or um, to uh first Samuel and going, huh, let's follow David in this, right. And see where this came from and, and this idea and, and then building that into it. I think that was pretty neat. Well, just the idea that the, you know, the priest on on Easter Sunday, was stepping into the, the the sanctuary with the first fruits because that was the day the first fruits were offered, and that's how God had set it up for you know fifteen hundred years. How it was supposed to be done for fifteen hundred years, sure. you know, is an um, amazing part of God's Old Testament worship. Um, and what an amazing thing to see our Lord, who is perfect in all the ways we are not, doing what a king would do, which is leading by example. Um, yeah. And that, that righteousness comes from him by faith, and that we get, to, we get to live in that, and that that's how we get to give our first fruits, is, is by faith. Absolutely. Uh, the, the other thing I didn't really address is how death comes by a man when everybody wants to blame Eve for the the fall into sin. Um, you know, although, I mean, I have talked about that in, in other sermons here at Brooklyn Park and in a, a Bible study that we had done. So that's part of the reason I, I didn't do it. Um, also, I, I didn't necessarily talk about what it means that God still has enemies. Why hasn't he put all of his enemies under his feet now? 
why does God still let Satan have freedom? Why does God still let, you know, unbelieving kingdoms roam, you know? Um, and, and part of that is, you know, the parable of the weeds and the wheat, that if he pulled these things out, it would do harm to believers. It would do harm to us that, you know, in, in our view, it seems like they have freedom, but they really do not. And that's part of the reason that they rage and, and they are angry. Um, well, isn't that the reason that all people rage and are angry because we don't have the freedom we thought we have? <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> absolutely a part of it. Yeah. Um, Why can't you be better? I just can't. And it makes me very upset. <laughs> I keep trying and failing. Yeah. Yeah. Don't worry, Dave. You'll have plenty of opportunities if you preach on the Old Testament lesson or reference it in your sermon for Advent 1 because it does talk about God not destroying his enemies and why he doesn't. So now you can come back and say that what I didn't talk about last, last week, week, I get to talk about this week. This week. <laughs> That'd be good. Yeah. No, I really appreciate it. I, I like the way that you took on the sermon because I think sometimes, and, and I'll say that when we get to my sermon that I, that, you know, I, we fall into the idea of, okay, Christ the King Sunday, we follow the kind of the stereo, I don't want to say stereotypical idea of we're going to talk about Christ being the King, <laughs> right? And and you took it from, no, Christ is our first fruits and he's living by example, which is exactly what a king would do. Um, and and to rule and conquer all things, which is exactly what a king would do. But you didn't use the words, well, this is what a king would do. You just, this is what he does. And and I think it's a beautiful way to go. And then the the final one is the the phrase ruler, every other ruler, authority, and power. I didn't talk about how those are, are used so often in the spiritual realm of demons and and so forth the, the the his original reader certainly would have picked up on sure. on that context that here he's not necessarily talking about earthly kingdoms or authorities but spiritual spiritual warfare sure as, as they probably would have looked on the street they probably would have looked down the street and said, yeah, there's the temple to Jupiter over there. And there's the temple. To, uh... Absolutely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's a good way to go. Very nice. Any other comments? I think you did a good job. Thanks. Appreciate it. Not that you need my praise and my, my uh, accolades, but. I will give them to you anyway. I will take the encouragement. There you go. Moving on to the gospel lesson. This is Pastor Will Harley at St. John Maribel. This is the sermon that he preached on. Then the governor's soldiers took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole cohort of soldiers around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head they put a staff in his right hand knelt in front of him and mocked him by saying hail king of the jews 
They spit on him, took the staff, and hit him repeatedly on his head. After they had mocked him, they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him. Then they led him away to crucify him. An unlikely text if you want Christ the king. Like, yay, Jesus. Oh, wait. <laughs> I uh, I had a lot of fun with this text. Um, let me say I, I, I loved preaching on this text because I, got to, I preached on um, um, the idea of crowns. And so I, I kind of started, you know, I, I, my, my whole introduction was, was kind of, well, before crowns became these plastic toys that we used for our daughters used for dress up and, and before, before, you know, they became these, these things that maybe you have on a quinceanera and, and things of nature of that, I said, crowns meant something. And I said, they were, they were a symbol of authority. They were, they, they meant something in this world. And I, I went back and I said, you know, um, Charlemagne, um, probably one of the, 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 of recorded history where we have some of the crowns that they, that he had, he had an octagonal crown and on each of the eight points, he had precious jewels and gold and laid. And I, you know, you have, um, Richard, the Lionheart, you know, his, uh, he had a crown that was so big that it took two people to stand on the side of him, um, to hold it up. Otherwise it would bend his neck. Um, and it would hurt his neck because it was so heavy. And, um, you know, how um, uh, Edward II, he he decided that one crown wasn't enough. So he had nine made. And <laughs> um, and then the, you know, the the most valuable crowns that we we have so far uh, that we have seen are the crown of uh, the, the crown jewels of England, equaling $20 million um, in, in worth of jewels and gold. And I said, you know, these are the crowns. And and then I said, um, and even our Lord in in Revelation 19, he wears crowns. And I said, and he has, like Edward II, multiple crowns. And I said, you know, he has the crown of life and the crown of righteousness and the crown of glory and the crown of power and the crown of peace. And I said, and these are his crowns that he wears. And I said, "And, and all of them are not even the greatest crown. And the crown that is the greatest crown is the crown that he took from me and he took from you. And I said, and it's the crown of thorns that he chooses to wear even to this day. And I said, and it's, and, and I said, and we see it placed on his head in our lesson. And that was my introduction to, to kind of that lesson of, of these crowns, right? We think they're great and glorious and they are in many cases. And the crowns that Christ wears are great and glorious, but the, the best crown, the most important crown, the crown that he chooses to wear is the crown of thorns that were ours. And then I went and I, I kind of brought up, you know, yeah, this does not look like a, a, a Christ the King, all glory be to God. You know, this is King of Kings, Lord of Lords type of a text, except when you realize that what is a king supposed to do? A king is supposed to go to war uh, for his people. A king is supposed to take up the the, the march and the travel and, and to go and fight for his people. And so we see him doing that here. And I said, and even even in the mockery and even in the in the horridness of what is going on, um, we see that they're prophesying on truly who Jesus is because they put a military robe on him. He is he is marching out to war. So they dress him in a military robe. Um, they put a scepter in his hand, um, the a scepter of rule, right? You know, this is, even though it's a mockery of, of truly what he bears, he has the scepter, his rod, his staff, they comfort us. And, and then I said, and then they place upon his head um, a woven thicket, you know, of thorns and they, they push it down and later they will beat it into his brow. And I said, um, and, and then they mock him in the very words of what, what he truly is and they don't even know it. And, and I said, um, 
And, and I said, and, and how that crown of thorns should feel. I, I said, how it felt upon the brow of the Lord. They didn't care if it got stuck in his hair. They didn't care if it was stabbing into his scalp. Um, in fact, they wanted to drive it further and further in. And I said, um, but that's our crown. And I said, and it's one that we made. And it's one that we have, have tried to wear because ever since the garden, we have tried to be the king. We have tried to make our own and usurp the king and, and to say we knew better than he. And I said, and we've done this in our lives ever since. You know, we are the rulers of our own kingdoms. We try to say we are the arbiter of our own fate. We, we are, we're making our crowns of thorns and placing them upon our own heads, thinking that they are the gold and encrusted and jewel laden things that, that someone would truly care to see. And I said, and yet they're nothing. And yet we wear them with such pride, right? We wear these crown of thorns with such pride of all the little things in our lives that we think that we can control and all the say that we think that we can have. And all of it comes to naught when all of a sudden the true king enters. And the true king, when he enters, he knows exactly what we have been playing at. He knows exactly the plastic crowns that we have tried to make, these crowns of thorns that that are really nothing. And I said, and, and he does something amazing. Instead of pushing us aside and saying, get out of my way and treating us the way that we should be, I said, um, he takes it from us instead. And in the process of taking it from us, he he puts down those other crowns. But he doesn't lay them upon the ground. He lays them upon your head. And so the crown of righteousness that he wears becomes yours. And the crown of glory that was his is now yours. And the crown of peace that is his is now yours. And even the crown of power in a world where you are and should be powerless is now given to you. And I said, and ultimately the crown of life becomes yours. And he takes from you your crown of thorns. And he doesn't take it off. He allows it to be beaten further in to his head. And he goes out and he presents himself for battle wearing it um, as he marches off to war. And I said, and this is what the king does. This is this is what our Lord and Savior does for you. And um, I kind of had that opportunity to just say, and, and in those words of forgiveness spoken from that cross, and in the words um, that he gives to us as, as he uh, cries out um, for his father to show him mercy when he is suffering for um, what you have caused in the battle that you should have been waging. Um, he forgives your sins and you stand forgiven and you wear a crown greater than any other um, upon your head as he wears the greatest of all, the crown of your thorns. And that was kind of where I went with that sermon. So like it yeah not much that you didn't cover i mean you had only four I mean, verses was, I, mean, I know i know and and only i like did not four. cover the scarlet and why yeah. it says scarlet instead of purple i i didn't i did not i didn't go there um i didn't really cover cohort <laughs> i didn't praetorium yeah i didn't yeah. i didn't you know yeah. i didn't deal with any of that um other than I the mentioning have, of, you did kind of mention it. You just mentioned the robe with a, a military garment. That's all you really need to say, yeah. really, because I don't think very many people are going to uh, talk. I, I've had one person ask in how many years of my ministry, 
what's the difference between the scarlet and the purple? And sure. It's like, well, you don't necessarily have to, it's not that big of a point because the main point is Christ for us. Right. And that's kind of what I, I stayed with. So. Tell them that the scarlet is like at, at one end of the visible spectrum and that purple's at the <laughs> other end of the visible spectrum. <laughs> You could, you could have. I like. Have gone I like Will was like, well, it started off being violet. Yeah, <laughs> it turns into red. By the end. <laughs> Everything turns red when you're bleeding on it. <laughs> so, no, it's it's yeah. It was it was a fun sermon to to preach just for the simple fact that, um, you know, sometimes you're out of the Lenten season. So you're, you're, you're not entirely focused on the march to the cross. Um, but yet you're, you can't get beyond the cross and beyond the battle that's being taken place, but you get to see it from a perspective of, of victory and the perspective of conquering and the perspective of, we stand now wearing the crowns of Christ because God made him who had no sin to be sin for you and, and to take your, your crown from your head. Um, and the one that you tried to make for yourself. And it's just a beautiful picture of, of um, that final victory scene in, in what is, what looks like a horrible defeat. Um, I mean, you could go back and you could use the very words coined by, by Tolkien, the you catastrophe, right? And, and you could say, this was, this was the good catastrophe. This was the, the thing that looked like everything would have been horrible, but it, um, it wasn't, and it, it wasn't for you. And that was good. Um, so it was just a really, it, it didn't take a lot of, um, mental jam, uh, gymnastics to, to explain. It didn't take a lot of, um, let me think about that concept for me to understand. It was very straightforward. Um, you don't deserve it. Christ did it for you. And he did even more, and you bear now his crowns into glory. Burning question: Did you sing "Crown Him with Many Crowns"? Um, no, that was not on the list of that. Um, but it was played during the offering, so they got to hear the melody. So, I like how you bring out that part that we get even more because that's one of the things about God's plan of salvation that I find mind-boggling is that not only does he forgive our sins but it's not it's not a i'll give you a second chance to get it right it's not even a i'll I'll fix it and i'll bring you up to your level it's he's not ashamed to call you brothers you know which is so far beyond the the creature that yeah well, I mean, even even the fact you go into to the night uh, where our Lord is betrayed. I mean, he tells his 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 disciples they are going to be with him, right? And they're going to sit in thrones. Um, I mean, and they get to a battle. Who's going to sit where? <laughs> right? Who gets to sit next to you? Um, that's not even the point. <laughs> you, you're you're going to be there. Um, and so you have this idea of of just the you get a seat at the table, and that that that's more than what you deserve. Um, I mean, and that's pretty neat. So, 
You know, I always envision a round table, not that flat one from from Da Vinci. <laughs> I envision the round table. You know, we're all equals, as as God has said we are. As Christ has said, you're my brothers and my sisters. So. Wow. Do we do we get to wear armor and and carry swords? Like by all Arthur's means, knights? by all means. I don't know who in heaven you were going to fight, but you know what? Um, if you want to look cool, go for it. Whose sword is <laughs> going to be longer? That's the question. May the Schwartz be with you. <laughs> Again, we are illustrating the the grace yes, of God. Explain yourself on that one. Explain <laughs> yourself out of that one there. We're explaining the <laughs> grace of God, how God says, here, so, I want to be with you, you you idiots and selfish. <laughs> so we have this treasure in jars of clay, clay to show that the all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. <laughs> yep, yep. No, it's 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 a beautiful text. Um, it was a good yeah. way to, to kind of ran, uh, kind of round out Christ the King and, and do a festival Sunday on, on that. Um, you know, we, we shortchange Advent a little bit because now instead of four, you get only three, but you know, three is a good Trinitarian number. Unless you're Dave Rudad at Emmanuel Lutheran and Shirley and, and we do have four. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's more historical in, yeah. in his approach and that's perfectly fine. We're more worldly if number four is the number of the world, I guess. That, that would be the- I, I just want to point out that. Dave Endorf at Brooklyn Lutheran Church <laughs> is doing four as well, but I'm doing it without rewriting the liturgical calendar. Like I'm, I'm celebrating, and I am celebrating four Sundays of Advent, so I too am going to celebrate four Sundays, but we will not have four midweek Wednesday services. We'll only have three, which is a very true well, we're not doing midweek Advent services because well, now I'm not you're not a even Lutheran. Innovator, like, now so. you're not even Lutheran. I mean, that's that is you're not Lutheran anymore. <laughs> Again, we are illustrating Christ is the best of us. He is the first fruits. You're not going to find the first fruits or any seconds any or third or any fruit. <laughs> you're looking for fruit. There's other podcasts. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Some we're a bunch nuts, of nuts maybe. we're not fruits <laughs> <laughs> i like that some nuts maybe yeah there you go yeah. absolutely well yeah right. so i'm excited to i'm excited to tackle the first sunday of advent um but but you've already have been done that so you know been there and yeah you'll be old hat yeah it'll be fun week, ne- next week pastor flashy buttons will have more to add to our podcast yeah i was just the guy in the peripherals this week there you go all right well join us thursday we're doing uh casting as podcast on thursday you can also join us wednesday night if you'd like to do the online bible class you can find that on our youtube page for casting nuts and you also find it on uh facebook if you want to see the comments that other people are commenting you have to join the online bible group which you can find um going through the groups at on facebook so Until then, we'll see you next week.